Hey there, I'm so excited to announce the Unstoppable Success Summit is back. Y'all, we are going to be in Dallas, April 19th and 20th. And I want to see you there. Don't miss out on this opportunity to gain valuable insights and make valuable connections and leave with actionable takeaways so you can implement all of these things into your career and level up your life and your business. I've got Ben Newman, Rachel Luna, John Gordon, Rudy Ricksteins. I've got a panel of speakers that specialize on publishing, PR, branding, podcasting, and TED Talks. And so if you are ready to level up, if you're like, I've got a message to share and I really want to increase my influence, it's time to kick the limiting beliefs to the curb. It's time to move forward past your fear. It's time for you to invest in you to bet on yourself. So I want to see you in Dallas. It's my hometown and I'm going to make it y'all. I'm planning some big stuff. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be fun. My event planner keeps saying, Amberly, you need to reel it in. I'm like, no. And in Texas, we say go big or go home. So go to go.amberlylago.com. That link will also be in the show notes to grab your early bird ticket. The early bird tickets will only last for a certain time and there are only 100 seats available. So these tickets will go fast. You're the first to know about it. I want to see you in Dallas. So hopefully I will see you there to hug your neck and let's be unstoppable together. Okay, now on to the show. Thank you for tuning in to the True Grit and Grace podcast. I'm Amberly Lago, and I'll be sharing inspirational stories of resilience and empowering ideas to elevate your business and your life, ignite your passion, and fuel your purpose. Hey, hey, it's Amberly Lago. Thank you so much for tuning in to true grit and grace because I have a real, real, real treat for y'all today. One of my really good friends is on the show. Um, and you know what? With the daily push to increase success, enhance our life balance, and maintain our mental health, it becomes tricky to keep your feet underneath you. That's where emotional intelligent serves you as your greatest skill. And y'all, I have the expert, the king of emotional intelligence, my good friend, Rich Bracken with us today. He is an acclaimed thought leader. He's a television and media contributor. I'm sure you've probably caught him on the news. He's always, always speaking all over the world, sought after speaker. He does webinars. Um, and he is going to tell us today how we can level up our life, create better relationships. And thank you, Rich, for being here with us. Amberly, Welcome it's such a pleasure to, to see you. Welcome. Like, we're, I mean, we're going to have a blast in this episode. I don't care. <laughs> like, this is going to be a party with empowerment. So we're going to have a good time. I'm so excited to talk with you. Oh, my goodness. Well, do you, we've been really trying to get this going for probably a year. A hundred percent. And, and I think the one thing that I'm thankful for, well, a couple of things I'm thankful for. Number one, that you are so patient and so gracious and so amazing yourself. And number two, that you're from Texas because you know how to wrangle people. And so I've needed that <laughs> wrangling to get this done. So it's, you finally have roped me and I'm, I am here, but I wasn't running too fast because I really wanted to do this. So I'm excited oh. to have a chat. 
Yes, I am so excited. And you know what? You have been such an incredible friend. I have to say, y'all, like there have been times when I'm like, I don't know how to work this or I'm struggling with this. And Rich, you have set up Zoom sessions to help teach me about technology, especially when there was not as much travel in the speaking industry during the middle of COVID. And we were doing a lot of virtual presentations mm -hmm. and your virtual presentations are absolutely amazing. And I think that you're such an incredible speaker because of your background, being a former DJ traveling all over the world. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't know that you were a former football player. Yes. I have a lot of hats. My life resume is pretty bonkers. That's probably, a, I mean, we can make a saga series on your podcast about this, which we won't do, but there are a lot of random things about me that are just fun to drop in. But yes, I used to be a college football player. I was a heavier child. I was shy about that status at first, but then a friend of mine brought me into junior football. And so I found an identity through that. And so I was a lineman. I was a protector. I cared for my friends. You know, I made sure that nobody got to the quarterback. And at the same time, I was playing linebacker. And so in college, I was a 250 pound linebacker. How much do you weigh I'm, now? I'm about 170 pounds now. That's crazy. Um, it's like you lost a whole person. I did. I lost at, you know, and I, I used to say I lost a backstreet boy, but now they're a little bit older like I am and they're not as tiny as they used to be. But I lost 100 <laughs> pounds and I've That's kept incredible. basically kept off 80 to 100 pounds for now 25 years. And so this is the 25th anniversary of the weight loss journey that I started on. Now, I will always say that I'm a fan of cheese and carbs, so it's never going to be as low as I would like it to be. That is part of my journey as well. And that is you know, teaches me resilience, teaches me dedication, but also teaches me emotional intelligence and balance because as diligent as I would like to say that I am, I also fall off the wagon. You know, I'm Southern too. And so when I go home for the holidays, like all bets are off as far as dedication on healthy food. Yeah. So it is, it is really, it's been a phenomenal journey, but yeah, that football playing background is, is definitely part of it. Wow. For as long as I've known you, I did not know that you had that weight loss journey. That's mm -hmm. like a whole topic in itself. But I have to say, I just, I want to let the audience know how, how amazing you are. Like as a friend, there have been times when you and I have, as speakers have been able to have talks and lift each other up because mm -hmm. it's not always easy, you know, mm -hmm. when like, maybe we don't get booked for that job or, mm -hmm. you know, we're thinking we're on hold for one job and we don't get it or just the struggles of being a professional speaker. And I have to say, thank you. It's been, there have been times when you have talked to me and I've talked to you and mm -hmm. we've been able to kind of lift each other up mm -hmm. and support each other. And you're just such a good person that I want my audience to know, like you were teaching me how to do things virtually. You don't see it as like a competition, but how can mm -hmm. we help each other out? Absolutely. That's really rare to have somebody that really does that. So I really, I just appreciate you so much. Well, I appreciate you too. And I, and, and thank you for saying that. I think a couple of different things. One, you've helped me just as much as I've helped you. It's been a reciprocal relationship and friendship here. And I think, too, what you said resonates with professional speakers, but really anybody in business, especially entrepreneurs, that it's it's a hard journey. You know, a lot of people, I think the people that I love, but I also that kind of get to me a little bit 
Um, are the people that go out there and say, this is perfect. I don't have any faults. There are no valleys here. Everything is amazing. We're clipping along. Yes, you want to share positivity, but even your podcast name, True Grit and Grace, like there, it's going to get tough. There are going to be lonely times. You are going to think that you're totally got this job or, or this client or this speaking gig locked in. And all of a sudden it falls out from underneath you. And then what? And so I think one, having friendships like we have, and, and when you circle yourself with the right people, those downtimes aren't as deep as they could be because you have those people that you can go to and say, Hey, look, I thought I had this huge thing lined up and it fell through. You know, you and oh. I have talked about those kinds of situations before. So for sure, circling yourself with the right people is, is critical. And mm -hmm. also the humility and vulnerability of being human is a lost art. And we need to bring that back. And I see people doing it more and more. And I want to encourage anybody who's listened to this, be real, be vulnerable and, and have the grace to say one, I, you know, I need help. But also the idea of helping other people doesn't hurt anybody. You know, the, the what is the cliche? Like there's there's plenty to go around. There's plenty of, of pie or pizza or whatever you want to say. There is. There's plenty of it out there. So if you're going to go out and, and try to be cutthroat, good luck with the long-term success. Because those of us that are actually supporting each other and being there for each other are going to make it through no matter what. Yes, you're so right. And you know what that made me think about is I think being a professional dancer really helped me because I mm. was rejected, cut on a veil, then didn't get the job. I, I over and over and over, you get a ton of no's. And I always viewed that as well. That's me one step closer to a yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember I used to, the dance industry was very cutthroat mm -hmm. and that just wasn't how I was. And I would piss people off because I would walk into an audition and I looked at all the other dancers as, Hey, that's my friend. That's my friend. Good luck mm -hmm. to you. Let, you know, let's get this one, you right. know? And I was always happy and, and saying hi to, and wishing people good luck to, and, and break mm -hmm. a leg. And mm -hmm. there were some women that would look at me like, what is wrong with her? Why she's is trying she... to pull something on me here? Exactly. Right? But you know yeah. what? Because I think because I know for sure one job I got a huge commercial that was for this Japanese company and there were billboards about it and everything. I think the reason I got the job is because I walked in, I was happy. I spoke a little bit of Japanese and I made them laugh. And it was like so much about it is just that energy, your energy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I lucked out on that, you know, but I think that that really makes a difference. How did you get so to become this expert on emotional intelligence? And first of mm -hmm. all, yes, it helps with our relationships. It helps sure. it. And what I'm blown away by is that I, what the numbers say I think 85% of people think they have mm -hmm. strong emotional intelligence, but only 15% actually do. Mm -hmm. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what exactly is emotional intelligence and why is it so important? And how did you get to become this expert in it? Because you sure. are all over the media talking about it. 
Yeah. You know, so number one, I think there are several different schools of thought of emotional intelligence. I am a simpleton by nature, and I typically can't count higher than 10 without taking my shoes off. So I keep it really minimal, especially when I'm conveying it to audiences and and, and on the news and whatnot. But really, emotional intelligence to me is the ability to understand and navigate your emotions while understanding and, and observing and navigating the emotions of others. And that is personally and professionally. Because we, and I always say in my presentations and on the and when I'm sharing it in the media, you have to interact with other people unless you have found that island paradise and just disconnect, which sounds amazing on certain days, you're going to have to interact with other people. And so one, how I got into it was actually because I wasn't exhibiting my own and I was working in, in the legal world. I wasn't an attorney, but I was working on the business professional side. And I was so stressed and anxious and I was burning the candle at both ends because I thought I had to. And that landed me in the ER because I thought I was having a heart attack. Luckily, I was only having a massive panic attack, which I never thought I'd ever say that out loud. But the doctor, um, and this is all serendipitous and I'll share why, the doctor shared with me, we talked through my lifestyle and things that I could change. And he mentioned this book that he was reading called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, which you know, Dr. Travis Bradbury is my favorite thought leader on this. And so I dove into the book. Now, while why it's serendipitous is because doctors have the lowest emotional intelligence of any profession. And second is attorneys. So here yes. I am working in the legal world, talking with a doctor who's exhibiting and studying emotional intelligence. So this was meant to be. I was meant to be, again, something I never thought I'd say out loud. I was meant to be in that ER on that bed hooked up to that EKG machine. Wow. Wait, because what was the name of that book again? Who was Emotional it Intelligence 2.0. And, you know, and, and doc, again, Dr. Travis Bradbury is a must follow. Again, this is me exhibiting like my affinity for other thought leaders and speakers and, and people. He's fantastic. I think the world of him. And hopefully one day I get to get to meet him because he transformed my life in, wow. in so many ways. Um, so, Travis, if you're listening, let's talk. I'm sure but he's listening. To I guarantee show. you he is. He's probably, you know, he's he's exhibiting and, and leveraging his own emotional intelligence by by relaxing and listening to the True Great and Grace podcast. So through the education that I was putting myself through and, and through the application of it, I learned the benefits of emotional intelligence. Now, a couple of quick things. One, the main thing that I think is phenomenal about emotional intelligence is that it's universally applicable. Everybody could learn to use and leverage and improve their emotional intelligence. And every company, if you're not investing in emotional intelligence training in some shape or form, you're leaving millions on the table, period. I, I will say that with 100% confidence. You are leaving a ton of money on the table because emotional intelligence improves everything within your organization, but also improves the individuals as people. I will have an argument all day long that it is one of the highest, if not the highest ROI investments a company can make or an individual can make in themselves. The other thing that is fantastic about emotional intelligence outside of its universal applicability is that you can increase your emotional intelligence. So your IQ hits a certain ceiling as you're getting older. Now, for, for people like myself, that sucks because we, we hit a low ceiling, but we can leverage our emotional intelligence. Actually having a higher emotional intelligence makes you more valuable. And it has about 65% to do with your performance as a professional, emotional intelligence does. So you can be really smart but if you can't communicate, if you can't manage your emotions, if you can't relate to other people, if you can't listen, you're not going to hit the potential that you need to hit. I totally agree. I totally agree. My husband and I talk a lot about this. You can be a book smart, but no common sense. He would see that a lot in his line of work when he was a police lieutenant commander. 
mm-hmm. that these guys would come in with PhDs, their EQ and common sense. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, I can't hand you a gun. <laughs> you know <laughs> right. what I mean? I, I was thinking I, I was thinking about my attorneys that I couldn't hand a marketing document to much less hand somebody a gun that has low emotional intelligence. Yeah, it's that makes crazy. total sense. Yeah. Yep. How does someone increase their EQ? So there are uh, there are a myriad of ways to increase your EQ. And I always say one, the most of the ways that you can increase your emotional intelligence are fun and quick. And I even have a document that I share with all of my audiences when I speak. Um, and I'm happy to share with your audience as well. Yeah. If 50... you can, we'll put that link. Yeah, in the show absolutely. Notes. Yeah. It's 50 ways that you can increase your emotional intelligence in under five minutes. And all or most, if not all of them are things that you're already doing. You just have to be more intentional and conscious about it, like getting more sleep. You know, you I use music and you mentioned the DJ thing earlier. I use music not only as a way to increase my emotional intelligence and, and help others increase theirs, but it is something that I've actually based a couple of my keynotes around is that the elements of music helping you navigate how you handle your day, how you handle different situations, how you handle your motivation by taking more intentional time, because as we think about our work days or our lives, most times we just kind of hang on for dear life. I always give the the comparison when I used to watch movies with my grandfather, he loved old Western movies and almost every single movie. There was that scene of the guy that was hanging onto the rope, being dragged through the dirt by a horse. Like just you're hanging on for dear life. Your day is running away from you. That's how some days feel like. And then you get to the end of the day. You're like, what in the hell just happened? And by taking more intentional time blocking, you know, one of the things I talk about with, with organizations is, Stop having 30-minute meetings and stop having 60-minute meetings. Have 25-minute meetings or 20-minute meetings or 45-minute meetings because when you don't block that time in between meetings, you're missing the ability to get some water, take a deep breath, look at your notes from the meeting, figure out next action plans. And I always call it the adult passing period. Like think about school. When we were in high school, if you went from math to history, you had five to seven minutes to go change books, go to your locker, say hi to your friends, grab some water, hit the restroom and go on to the next thing. As adults, we don't do that. You know, we wear this badge of honor. Oh, look at my calendar. It's totally full. I have no time in between there. And it becomes problematic. So everything from time blocking to music to sleep to just being intentional. I use meditation all the time. So I'll share that that document with your audience. But there are a ton of ways that you can increase your emotional intelligence. That's amazing. I love that you use music. Mm-hmm. And I love that also you work out and you post a lot of, on your social media about you working out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I feel a difference when there are days where I will have a pretty full schedule, but like mm-hmm. my coaching clients for my mastermind, they're mm-hmm. 45 minute coaching calls, not an mm-hmm. hour, but 45 minutes. Love that. And I now take a little break in between each Zoom because I noticed it was like sucking the life out of me when I was just online right. all day long. And so I take breaks and I will take a break. Like I have a break right after this and I'm going to the gym. I listen to music and I feel like, oh, I'm home, you know, mm-hmm. like Moving your body moves your mood. I'm trying to get better about that whole meditation. I do. I ha- I'm not great at that. So mm-hmm. I've downloaded the Calm app. Oh, the Calm app is a lifesaver. That's one of my I favorites. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there, and, there have been times I've been anxious and mm-hmm. that has saved me. Mm-hmm. One of, and I, I will, I love one. I love that you've been intentional about doing that because most people will say, well, I need to get better, but they don't do anything about it. So the fact that you've acknowledged that this is improvement or an opportunity to improve, and you've done something about it and taken a step in that direction, all kudos to you on that. The other thing, because I, I will say that I have problems with meditation is probably one of the number one things I hear from people when I start recommending different ways that I, I leverage my emotional intelligence or increase my emotional intelligence. And I will say this, another one of my favorite apps or, or ways that I stay engaged is Peloton. I post all the time about my Peloton workouts, my rides and everything else. There was a meditation. So they have a meditation, like classes for meditation and different moods and things like that. One of the game changers for me was, and I'm struggling to remember on the spot who it was that did this. And they'll, I'll probably remember it and, they'll, and I'll message them and they'll be mad at me. But there is a quick meditation that you can do at any given time during the day. We'll say maybe a minute and a half total. And it really, what it is, is taking the time just to sit still and say, how am I? But you say it three times in three different ways. How am I mentally? How am I physically? And how am I emotionally? And just that quick check-in with yourself, do it in the morning, do it in the middle of the morning, do it at lunchtime, do it at the end of the day, do it whenever. Because when you do that, when we stop and realize how we're actually feeling in those three ways, we can realize that we are maybe feeling a little bit vulnerable emotionally, or maybe we're not feeling our best physically because we haven't worked out or haven't gone to the gym or haven't gone for a walk or aren't eating as healthy as we should. That check-in gives you a foundation of opportunity to find ways to change and improve throughout the day. So Mm, for for those that struggle with meditation, start with that. How am I physically? How am I mentally? How am I emotionally? And be honest and vulnerable with yourself and you will find it some way to improve. I do it every single day. Oh, that's so important. That's something I did not used to do mm-hmm. at all. I was like the queen of suck it up and mm-hmm. you just keep pushing. It doesn't matter that your toes are bleeding in your point shoes or, right. and I've learned to really check in, but that inspired me to get better and being more intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And you inspired me to get Peloton subscription <laughs> going again, because I got a Peloton when all the gyms were closed in Mm -hmm. in LA. I mean, there was nothing open. They even closed our trails so you couldn't go hiking. It was crazy. They shut everything down. And so Mm -hmm. we finally got our Peloton and my husband and I were both on that bike every day. Well, then as soon as the gyms opened up, it's kind of gathering dust and I need to get back on it. I So you've inspired me. Mm-hmm. to do that. So thank you for that. Of course. Because yeah, that's amazing. And the music, I wanted to go back to something you said about mm-hmm. you kind of incorporated how music can increase your EQ. I'm just curious about that keynote presentation. Um, Because sure. Jesse Itzler is a friend of mine and mm-hmm. I went to yeah. go see him and this could be a cool idea for you. Uh, yeah. He has a DJ did you know that? I he did knows not. his keynotes. Oh my gosh, he's out of this world. He has a DJ that goes with him to do a keynote, and that DJ knows exactly what to play and what sound nice. effect and what music during his keynote. So when you're giving your keynote about music, are you actually playing music? Oh yeah. 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 So, so one, Jesse, you know, I would love to hear more about that. So again, uh, I love that idea. 
because two DJs have a, a big impact on anything. You know, if you think about going to a club or an event or whatever, and if a DJ knows to play the right song at the right time, that makes or breaks the day or the evening or whatever the event is. And I DJ for 25 years. I retired at 40. That's a whole nother story, but I'm actually getting back into it because of the incorporation of music in my keynotes. So when I do my keynote tune in, which I'm actually morphing into one called soundtrack that I'm very excited about, I actually play music samples. I, I bring in different you know, emotions through music, but really I help the audience understand how something simple like a song or the right song at the right time, whether it's you're trying to, to lick your wounds and bounce back and be resilient, or you're trying to be confident and you need the right pump up song, or you're, you feel yourself starting to get into a bad mood. What song can I play to put myself in an immediate good mood? And the one fun thing that I've been doing with audiences lately is that, so I've got a couple of clients that I've presented to recently that I'll send them a link ahead of time and I'll have their company submit me a list of their confident walk-up songs. And we build playlists based off of that. And I'll incorporate some of the songs that they've submitted to me, but then I create this playlist form after the event to have something to kind of carry the event forward. But really so during cool. the presentation, it is, I have a sampling machine, I'm incorporating my new DJ equipment. So it's going to be a full production um, and it's that a blast. Is so cool. I always love when we get to do a check-in, yep. um, because I always want to know the latest stuff that, cause you work on some cool stuff and you always have the latest and greatest with like technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I just did this event here in Dallas. I was their keynote speaker. It was a tech company mm -hmm. and, um, I always like to get there early and kind of get a feel for the energy of the audience. And everybody mm -hmm. was so serious and energy was so low. It was oh, like, oh yeah. my gosh, I need to shake these people up. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the AV and I was like, hey, can you give me some walk-on music? Mm -hmm. Can you give me some uptown funk? And mm -hmm. so I came on and they probably thought, what, who's this girl? What the hell is going on? But uh, I came out on stage with Uptown Funk and was dancing around and got the energy up. But it does. Right. It just changes. And um, I noticed uh, Trent Shelton is a good friend of mine. I love mm -hmm. him. He is such a good person. And um, we've shared the stage at a lot of events Mm -hmm. And he started incorporating music in his keynote. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, gosh, I would love to do that. But yep. Rich knows how um, technology I'm still learning. I'm mm -hmm. uh, very much still and hey, learning. Hey, if Amberly, if Amberly does a keynote and has DJ Rich in the, in the, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm oh, just saying. my Gosh. I'm okay, just saying. we have got to talk about my next event. <laughs> Y'all heard it's it April here 20th. first. The 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 evolution of Amberly's musical keynote happened right here on the True Great and Grace podcast. Oh my goodness, Rich. I'm not even kidding. This my next event called Unstoppable Success Summit. Well, 2024. It's at the mm -hmm. Renaissance in Dallas, April 20th. I know 420. I was kind of like, what that hey, day We can play some Cypress right? Hill and some 311 and some Sublime <laughs> and whatever. We can go, hey, I they, see, and that's what DJs do. We hear a mood, we immediately know what to play. Modest Yahoo, I'm in. Like, whatever we need to do to bring in that vibe. Okay, that's, that's Rich, what a good DJ I, does. I'm going to have to, I'm, I need you at this event. I, you wouldn't believe the things that I'm planning. I can't, I don't mm -hmm. want to say it all because, but I'm, I'm leveling up this event. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be epic. There's going to be gospel. There's going to be dancing. There, seriously, I'm only, I'm so only you, my dear, could pull off a gospel music infused uh, <laughs> presentation or event on 420. That's, I mean, that's that's just the power that you have. That's that's why I love you so much because you and you're like, you know what? It's on 420, but I got gospel because you know it's all about the mood. It's all about the energy. We do what we can. That's right. I was like, well, that's right. That's what that that was the day. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So, yes, I am so excited. Super, super excited. Okay, but let's get back to your amazingness with what you do. And y'all, this is why I love talking to Rich, because I always learn something. We always brainstorm. And oh, yeah. And we were going to do this interview in person. And I know the in-person thing will happen for sure by April 20th, but yes, it will. you talk a lot about self-care and the importance mm-hmm. of self-care. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about setting boundaries, healthy boundaries, yes. and yes. y'all have to check out his YouTube because he's on the news all the time as the expert on not just the EQ, but boundaries and self-care mm-hmm. and balance and how to level up. He's the expert that they call in to come share on these topics. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that is sometimes has been hard for me is Mm -hmm. self-care and setting boundaries. I'm getting a little better about that. But when we think of self-care, a lot of times people think of, oh, going to the spa or getting a pedicure. Mm -hmm. Tell us some ways that people, especially entrepreneurs, can incorporate self-care so they don't burn out so they can continue sure. to be resilient. Yeah. And I, and I'll, I'll combine two things in one here. So exercising and staying strong on your boundaries is self-care. So if we think about, especially just because as people, we are people pleasers. We don't want to say no. We don't want to be that person. We're afraid to put up boundaries because we don't want to offend anybody because we want to be available all the time. We feel like we have to be, especially as entrepreneurs or public figures. And at a certain point, you you can't give anymore. It's just yeah. not possible. Your time, well, your energy, your emotion. That's why I got sick, Rich. And I told you before we started recording, this is mm-hmm. week three of me being sick and having, mm-hmm. um, I kind of thought, Am I ever going to feel better? Oh my right. gosh. Well, and and two, you know, one, I I appreciate the idea that you are always out there. You're always putting yourself out there. You're always engaging, you're always connecting, you're you're pouring, you're pouring, you're pouring. But at some point you also have to fill. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the old cliche you can't pour from an empty cup. And so I, you know, I will say that as much as I'm of the same mindset, I used to get to a point too, where I would burn out. I would be just become exhausted. I would not be at my best, you know, mentally, I couldn't create ideas as as great as I could. And I'm still working on it. I'm not going to say that I'm there perfectly because we're, none of us are perfect. Let's be honest. But I also think I learned quickly to listen to myself and self-care also is in that form. Just saying like, what do I need? Going back to the thing I mentioned earlier about checking in with yourself mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally, and physically. If you get to a point where you say, yeah, I I know I know, I need to do this thing or I, I got to do this, this content or I got to do this, but I'm exhausted, you're not paying attention to yourself. And yeah, somebody will say, you mentioned like suck it up earlier. People will say, well, if I just power through. Well, yeah, at the same time, like you need to also understand that that's a warning sign. Something's something's about to go wrong or something's about to go down a path. So would you rather pause and say, look, I need to like 
kind of circle in for one night. I need to go to bed early. I need to exercise a little bit more. I need to go take a sauna or whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take that few minutes to, to implement self-care, you may, and now I'm not trying to pick on you here, but you may wind up in a situation where you're spending days or weeks trying to recuperate. And maybe oh, you're yeah. never catching up. Maybe you're running up that quicksand hill of health and focus and self-care all day long. Now's the time to say, look, I need to pay better attention to myself. And there will always be opportunities. There will always be clients. There will always be content to create. There will always be posts, but there won't always be you if you don't take care of yourself in the right way. And I don't mean this in like a, like a morbid sense, but you can't oh, be no, your best you're self right, if you're though. not taking you're, care of yourself. You're right. You know, it's like we, our health is the most important thing. And I Absolutely. had a friend of mine tell me once, cause I love the grit. I love to go. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. the hustle. And I've had mm -hmm. to learn more about the grace and giving myself grace. And mm -hmm. I had a good friend of mine say, and this really hit me. She said, uh, you know, your impact is only as strong as you are healthy. Cause she could see I was burning the wick from both ends. Mm -hmm. I kept having, you know, being, getting in the ER. And so I've had to do things like my, my phone just alerted me. My aura ring will mm -hmm. alert me to it's time to get up and move your legs. It right. monitors my sleep. Mm -hmm. But I think so much of what you've shared is such a big reminder for me to check in more. Mm -hmm. And to, oh, yeah. Yeah. But it when, is and, hard and I, when I'm an overcoming people pleaser and I just oh, want, yeah. I, and I, I want to help and I want to do and I want to go. Um, so I think this is a reminder for everybody listening to check in with yourself. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have one of those rings. So I don't know if they, if they have the ability to check on your anxiety, but those are the things that we, that we tend to ignore the most, our anxiety, our stress, and those types of situations that we ignore. Cause we're like, Oh, well, if I just do the thing, I'll be fine. Or if I just go figure this out, it'll be fine. No. When you have stress and anxiety, if you don't deal with it right there, it's like that app that you don't close out on your phone. It's going to pull on your battery all day long. That oh, stress, well, you that know anxiety. What? It, yeah. do, it does. It'll, it, yep. it alerts you. And in fact, this is how big of how stress and anxiety affects us. It affects our sleep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I won't know that I've got some stress or anxiety, or I have a lot on my plate and I check in and I'm not affiliated with the aura ring or anything like that. I just, mm -hmm. I, I use it for as part of my self care and I really like mm -hmm. it, but it will alert me your heart rate was not recovering throughout the night. It's time oh. to take it easy. It will alert you when you're, you're not recovering. It, it alerts you on your oxygen intake, um, your REM sleep, your deep sleep. So it does, it will nice. tell you. And it's things where you're like, well, I didn't feel like I was that stressed, but you know what? When you mentioned a panic attack earlier, mm -hmm. I had a panic attack before it's scary. They're terrifying. And Absolutely I didn't know terrifying. what that was, but that was a wake up call for me. Yeah. And and maybe today is the day that I can that we can say, you know what, Aura, hit up my girl Amberly, the the True Grit and Grace podcast sponsored by Aura. It sounds great. Hey, I'm here for it. I would I'm celebrate all day it. long. Uh, we need to make that happen. So Aura, yes. hit my girl up. Thank you. I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Sure of yep. it. 100%. Well, and we will make sure they get it. You um, I just saw, you know, I'd seen on your social media, 
about a blood clot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Yep. I have been traveling so much and not been on social media as much other than to just kind of post and and go, which I know was bad. I used to spend hours on social media, but mm-hmm. I just caught up with yours and saw that. And I was like, oh my goodness, I yep. am so sorry. I had no idea, mm-hmm. but there's always, I feel like a silver lining in those kind of things because it has inspired you to write a new book. But what happened with this blood clot? Yeah. So, so welcome to life, right? So all the things we've been talking about, right? So emotional intelligence, taking care of my physical health, Peloton, my meditation, the whole nine yards. I was coming back from a keynote in Minnesota and long story short, by the time I got home, I, and it was a one hour flight. So most times you hear about people getting blood clots on flights or like, you know, international flights or long flights or whatnot. And I thought I had, when I stood up funny from my chair, I thought I pulled a, I thought I pulled a muscle in my calf and it started hurting. So I I'm thinking because I'm not as young as I used to be, I'm thinking, okay, I stood up quick and pulled a muscle in my calf, get home. And my right calf is twice the size of my left one. Oh my gosh. Really? And I am in a previous life as a medical sales rep. I actually sold a device that detected DVTs or blood clots. And so I probably, no, just total, again, the irony and serendipity of life, right? So I know more about DVTs and blood clots than your average human should know. And so I went home that night, iced it, got it up. The the swelling reduced a little bit, but you know, wasn't, wasn't perfect. So a couple of days later, it's not better. I go to the urgent clinic and I said, okay, I either tore my calf or I have a DVT, one of the two. That's all this could be. And so they they evaluated me. They said they didn't think it was a torn calf, but they didn't have an ultrasound machine. Go to the ER and you need to rule out a DVT. Unfortunately, the first hospital I went to grossly misdiagnosed me because the doctor said, and I quote, I can tell by looking at you that you don't have a DVT. Oh my gosh. That's not possible. You can't look at someone and tell if they have a DVT. Of course, I'm trusting my medical professional. I go home thinking I have a torn calf. She knows better than I do. She's a doctor. So a couple of days later, go back to an orthopedic. They say, I don't know why you're here. You don't have a torn muscle. Go to the go to the ultrasound clinic and get a, get your leg scanned immediately. Get my leg scanned. I had a blood clot from the middle of my thigh past my knee down to my calf. Oh and my God. no idea where it came from. No idea why it's there. I have theories and speculations or whatever. I'm going to have blood testing because I think it may be genetic. But I wind up in another ER. And the doctor I got connected with in that ER, she herself had been through a blood clot. So again, timing and serendipity that she knows exactly what she's talking about. And she said, had you followed this other doctor's advice for a few more days, you may not be sitting here. And that alone rocked my, you don't ever want to hear somebody say something like that. And so that night, you know, I'm at home chilling out on the couch. My mind is spinning. And I said, okay. All things considered, if tonight was the last night that I'm here, if this all ends tonight, not that I live my life with regrets because I don't, but what would I be upset that I left on the table? What have I not done that I should have gotten done? Or what did I, what was I too afraid of? Or what did I let imposter syndrome get the best of me on that I didn't do? And so I said, okay, from this point forward, all bets are off. No more hesitation, no more blocking of ideas, no more boundaries for me as far as creative expression. Not that I had a huge problem with it because obviously you can tell from my background. If you're listening, you should see my background on my on my Zoom. It's pretty bonkers. <laughs> um, but 
I just said, okay, whatever. Let's just let it all come out. Let's just, I don't want to have anything left on the table from this point forward. It's like bonus time. So in the, it's been almost two months now. In the two months since that moment, I have started writing my first book because I've always wanted to write a book, just never knew what I wanted to do. And I'm also starting to write a, a TV show treatment. And so it's an idea that came to me. And I think the lesson here is that when you when you take the limitations off of your own mental creativity and your own abilities, amazing things can happen. Because I will say with both the book idea, the TV show idea, and some other things I'm working on, these all were probably suppressed because I didn't, well, nobody wants to see my show or nobody wants to, you know, somebody's already talking about that, the typical imposter syndrome conversation, because we all go through it. But I will say without a hesitation. Thank you for you, sharing that because thank you. Well, thank that, you for we all, me the that we all go through that, that imposter oh, syndrome. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate you sharing that because you have achieved such luminous success. You are so smart. You inspire me beyond words. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that we became good friends is because mm -hmm. we keep it real with each other. And, and you admit, hey, we all have imposter syndrome sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm getting ready to go do this big talk in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Like my heart starts pounding. So I'm like, do they, they really want me? to speak right. at this event. And so you are inspiring me and reminding me of what are we waiting for? We're not mm -hmm. guaranteed tomorrow. We're guaranteed right now right. to just go for it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I was in the ER. I went septic and the doctor mm -hmm. told me if I would have waited one more day, that could have been it. So Sepsis I get scary. it. I, yeah. I get that. But what do they do? I, I want to go back to that blood clot. Sure. What do they do to get rid of that? So I've been on blood thinners um, because that's the number. That's the first thing you have to do. Like they put me on blood thinners immediately, um, which helps. Obviously, um, you know, if you think about if you had a if you had a, a pipe and you're, you know, and, and you ran some water through it, you know, that is if that's the way your veins are supposed to flow. Now, if you put in, let's just say you put in some Play-Doh inside the pipe and it condensed the ability for the water to flow through, that's what a blood clot is. It's 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 restricting and, and constricting the vein itself. And so by thinning the blood, it actually lets it flow through easier. And then I also take some natural enzymes to help battle the blood clot itself. Now, it's typically a minimum of a three-month recovery. Um, I had an ultrasound because I was going to be traveling for some for some presentation. So I wanted to have an ultrasound. Are you just supposed to, see if it to was... be traveling on so, a plane? So yes, if you do it correctly. And okay. so one, just, I had I'm an just ultrasound. Care about you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I, trust me, I'm smarter than I look. And I'm also very hard headed, but I also am willing to take advice, especially from from the right medical professionals. So I had an ultrasound to see if it was progressing in the right direction first, which it is. So good news there. But then also precautionary, um, you, you know, if you drink lots of water, if you move around, if you take Tylenol, like those things help. And I will also say that I'm going to start a new fashion trend. Y'all, compression stockings are in. Right now, I rock some amazing bright pink. I, I have a pair of, of compression stockings that look like that old fruit stripe gum. So, you know, like I'm I'm here to say that I compression see you rocking those compression socks I on mean, social media. I, I, I had no. a whole collection of compression socks I had to wear. 
I would sometimes have to wear two or three on my right leg. Oh my gosh. And they actually put, this sounds crazy, but I woke up from one of my surgeries and I had two incisions right around my pelvis. And I'm like, what the heck? I had surgery on my leg. Why do they put these incisions? And they actually put filters in my femoral artery because they were so worried Mm. about a blood clot coming up and killing me. So they actually put a filter in there. And a year later, they went in and they went all the way in through my neck, all the way down to that and took the filter out. Oh, is that crazy? Oh, they my put gosh. me out for it, though. They 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 put me out. I was oh, awake. I would hope it, I wasn't awake during that. I was going to say, if you want to tell the story about true grit, it's yeah, they did a They did an artery surgery with no medication. I'd be like, oh, my God, Amberly, come on. <laughs> well, they've done some pretty crazy stuff. I had one I surgery on my foot, uh, mm-hmm. not to get off topic too much, but I had been put under anesthesia so many times that the number of times I've been put under anesthesia is the 34 surgeries I even count. But there was one surgery that I don't even count that I went into the doctor's office and the CRPS had made my toes were like, I, you couldn't move them and they were stuck in a certain position. And Ugh. so I said, I do not want to be put under for this surgery. He goes, okay. So he just deadened the area, made incisions right in front of me and then released, released those toes. Oh, the sound of it was like Ooh. so cringy. But at least I didn't have to be put under anesthesia. So I was awake for that one, but I didn't feel it. I only felt the shots he gave me. I thought I was tough to an extent, but you, Amberly, you just blew me. Like, I, I can't. Like, I, the, the idea of that is, <laughs> I don't know if people can see me right now, but I'm like, I'm just, you have all my respect. Like, there's no way. It I mean, I, crazy. For, for the most part, I, if I could, I would knock myself out to take out a hangnail. So the fact that you went through that with no anesthesia, but I mean the deadening anesthesia, you. you are so funny. Good Lord. Like if I, if I had an ingrown hair in my face from shaving, like give me, like knock me out and get that bad boy out. But you, oh my you gosh. Me away. Oh my gosh. You are so funny. Going back to your book. Do you have yep. a title for your book? I do. I have a working title and it is, I'm glancing over here to my, to my whiteboard, which my wife made me get. Cause I have way too much stuff that just flows through my head every single day. And it's it's called Playful Innovation. And so the, the concept is how companies and individuals can use creative and fun exercises and activities to foster innovation. Because so many times we, you know, companies will call themselves innovative, but it's forced innovation or it's limited innovation or it's innovation, but you have this budget or you have this timeline or we've got to do these things. Or, you know, it's so, so many companies restrict themselves. And it was born of the idea of going back to the blood clot story of me saying, why not? Cause I've always, that's always been one of my mantras. Like, why not? What, what's the worst, you know, and, and you work through that mentality. So by limiting ourselves and, and going the route of saying, well, I want to be innovative or I want to be creative or I want to come up with this new idea, but I'm limited on time. I'm limited on budget. I'm limited on the, all these different things. You immediately are condensing the opportunity. So if you just say, what if with no boundaries, and, and, and I've, I've spoken with a couple of companies about this. If you just said, what if with no boundaries, even if you came up with an idea that was a hundred million dollar marketing idea and you don't have a hundred million dollars in your marketing budget, 
you now have something that you have on the shelf or on the radar that maybe you work to. And you know, maybe 110 is a, is a bit exaggerated, maybe a, a million dollar marketing idea. But if you said, okay, I have a million dollar marketing idea that I know would be gigantic. How do I get to a point where I build my business to have a million dollar marketing budget to do so? Mm-hmm. And it's it's all of the theory of reverse engineering your your goals. But that 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 innovation through creativity in the why not theory is is everything because you never know what you're going to uncover. And so, the, like even like this TV show idea was me just saying. Let me just throw all of my ideas onto one page with no hesitation, no reservation, just slap it all up there. What are the things I'm passionate about? What what stories do I like to tell? All these different things. And there it was. And literally, and probably about a two hour time period, I went from having no concept of a TV show whatsoever to having a concept of a TV show so strong that it is my number one priority that I want to get done in the next year. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for that. Oh, it's, it, it is, it, it will be in, in two. Like I, I thought to myself when I got the idea kind of mapped out, I said, would I watch this show? And I said, I would not miss this show. Oh it's my that, goodness. It's that fun of an idea. Wow. That is amazing. Sponsored by Aura. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. We're putting right? it out there. We're, we're, oh, we're, wow. we're leveraging Mar- Aura's marketing budget right now as we talk about it. Yes. I, well, you know, really, uh, I'm always, every time I get to talk with you, like always so inspired. If you're listening to this, you should head over to YouTube so you can just see his background. I have that same (laughs) book, that Ted book, by the way, Mm -hmm. but I love your background. It's as you know, like one of my favorite colors, that blue is beautiful Mm -hmm. and the paintings that you did. Mm-hmm. And the football helmets and the trophy. I did mm-hmm. not know that you were, is that your trophy? It is. I am not a professional dancer, but I can say that I am an award-winning one. So for those of you listening and not watching, I am pointing out a dancing trophy that is on my bookshelf in my background. Um, I was actually one of three national game show appearances that I have. So I was on a show on ESPN years ago called I Do Anything. And it was basically a sports version of Fear Factor. So you have to participate in stunts. You don't know what the stunts are until right before you do it. There are some phenomenal, I mean, the video footage itself from the show is phenomenal. We were taken to Las Vegas, not told what we were doing there. And we were told at the very last second, hey, by the way, you're going to be dancing in front of a thousand people at the Nevada ballroom dancing competition. And here you go. Here's your dance instructor who is going to work with you to not only teach you tango and salsa, but you have to create an original dance routine with this instructor to perform in front of said thousand people. So we had, I think it was three hours to come up with a dance routine with this instructor. Bonus, I was wearing a pair of tights in a satin mariachi shirt. Oh, so, so let that I am going to either... find that. <laughs> oh, I will send it to you. I am that proud. I, of, there is a, a picture of I've me right before we this. walked out. That is that is a gem. That is how, one of my how favorite long pictures. ago was this? I think it was like 2004. But it was a way, phenomenal experience. Yeah. This shirt that I'm wearing right now was actually my costume for one of the last speaking gigs that I did. Mm-hmm. They said. We do want you to do a keynote, but by the way, there is a surprise finale and we want you and this professional dancer and the event planner, who's also a professional dancer to do a dance. So I had an hour 
see, I haven't danced since my motorcycle accident like that right. choreography. I had an hour to learn a routine um, and go perform in front of this entire audience. And it was so much fun. Oh, it, my but I guarantee gosh. you, because it, to me, I think, especially as a professional dancer, and I've had friends that have been professional dancers or or have have danced in, in college or whatnot. It's almost like riding a bike. Like you can, you can pick up on it. Like you're either a really good dancer or you're not. So I guarantee you the hour that you had to prep, I guarantee you, cause I've seen you dancing on stage a couple of times. I guarantee you, you, you knocked that choreography out of the park. I had three hours and I laughed at myself the entire way through the routine. I still I can't won. wait to see this. Oh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And, and I will say this, it'll either bring you an immense joy. It should bring you immense joy because it's not you dancing. If you watch this audience, but it's also something you kind of can't unsee. So viewer, viewer discretion advised. Oh, um, my it is. Goodness. It's pure comedy. It is pure comedy. I own it. I love it. I, I, I did it. It's not something I'm embarrassed by, but I'm like, yeah, I stepped into that opportunity and I rocked it. Spandex pants and satin mariachi shirt and all. I love it. Every time <laughs> I talk to you, every time I get to talk with you, I just learn something new, something fascinating. Uh, that you 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 never cease to amaze me with all that you have done and all that you have accomplished, and I can talk to you all day. We that's yes. how we are. We get on a phone yes, call we are. and we can talk. So I so respect your time. Mm -hmm. We have running out of time, but there's one mm -hmm. more question I wanted to yes. ask you. Um, how do you because you talk about mindset and positivity mm -hmm. a lot. How would you suggest somebody stays positive around negative people? You know, I think it's up to you to determine how you let that impact you. And I had a conversation with my son about this this morning, as a matter of fact, on his way to school. So you're going to come in contact with people that are negative. You're going to come in contact with people that are going to have the ability to take your day in a, in a negative way or a downward spiral. That is up to you to set that boundary and say, no, not going this route. And so two things, you can either say, I'm just setting up a boundary and not dealing with this individual and just separate them. Now, if it's somebody that you can't separate from, whether it's a spouse or a coworker or a family member or whatnot, if you have the ability to separate yourself, separate yourself. If you don't, then you need to go into every interaction with that individual thinking, stay positive, stay focused on your energy, tap into what you need to do. And if it goes in a negative way, if the conversation starts to sour, remove yourself. Or, or say like, Hey, look, you know, this is great. Or if it's a coworker, perfect example. I had a coworker once that was always negative, like the Debbie Downer of, of, of people mm -hmm. that you could work with. Mm -hmm. And so when it started going that route and I felt my, you could feel your energy start changing. You can, yeah. you can and, feel your energy change. There's, there's been times where I have had a family member that has come over and it's so negative that I have had to excuse myself, go upstairs mm -hmm. and lay down. Yep. for a little bit and get my yep. energy back up before I could go back down. Yeah. That's and and the and the best the best way that you can manage that is to say, look, you know, I I would love to hear more about this. We have 20 minutes left in this meeting. We've got to get to this this and this. Can we can we table this for now? I want to hear more about it later and let's focus on these things. You're redirecting the energy of the meeting and you know, not that you're not that you're lying, but if you don't get to that conversation later on, maybe you don't. If you do, then it gives you a different venue to talk about it. And you can set expectations at that time. But if you're in the middle of a conversation or in the middle of a meeting and somebody starts taking it in a negative way, 
Hey, Amberly, thanks. I really, you know, I really want to hear more about this. Can we set up some time to talk about this later? We got to get to this other, these other three agenda items before the end of the meeting. So let's, let's pause on this for now. Let's deal with these right now and get these done. And then let's set up some time to, to talk more about your frustration on fill in the blank topic. You're, uh, you're dictating the energy flow. You're dictating the, the lines and the boundaries. You're also dictating the path to success for you and that other individual. So good. Yeah. I had a coach that I worked with once and if I ever started to complain, he'd be like, well, what are you going to do about it? No, we need yep. to work. Are, are you ready to work on the solution? Are you mm -hmm. ready to, you want to complain or you want to work on a solution and find a solution for that? And I was like, yeah. Ooh, I mean, he was like harsh, but it helped because yeah, you could, you can go that route or you can say, do you need me to listen? Or do you, are you telling me that you're looking for my help here? So yeah. again, lots of ways you could take it. Okay. What do you have time for one more question? Of course. I've always got okay. time for you. Thank you. If you have somebody that comes to you and they're like, I feel mentally just stuck. What mm -hmm. would you suggest for them to do? I do a couple of different things. So I work with, you know, I, I do some public speaking coaching. So I'll have people that will come to me and talk about that. And inevitably, like I, as a highly sensitive person, I usually am the person that somebody says, do you mind if I talk to you about this thing? And I love it because people open up to me. They're very vulnerable with me. I, it's a blessing for me. So I love it. But a lot of times when people say I'm stuck, I go and say, okay, where are you trying to get to? Because if you're stuck, it means you're you're looking at something. You're going towards a goal. You're going towards a different life. You're going towards some kind of change in your life. And if you're saying you're stuck, it's me. You had some progression, but you need to figure out what got you there. So I establish what they're trying to do and where they're trying to get to first, and then we back up and we say, okay. You were on your way there. What happened? What changed? Is there something that's going on? And we really just sit sit in the moment and identify because a lot of times we'll say, well, I'm stuck or I don't feel like I'm progressing or I feel like I've plateaued. Well, okay, maybe you've plateaued because the habits that you were incorporating in your life got you to this point of success. And if you want to go higher, because if you feel like you plateaued, you obviously want to go higher, then you need to focus on, okay, what is that next level up? If I do the same things that I'm doing now, I'm not going to get there. What needs to change? Does something need to be removed? Do I need to change a habit? Do I need to reallocate how I'm focusing my day? Um, do I need to delegate? Do I need to hire like a, 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 an Upwork person to take something off my plate? Because when we're stuck, we're overextended or not focusing on the right things. So focus on the goal, understand what you need to do to get there. But in that process, identify where you're currently at. And is that the level that you want to be at? And if so, great, but you wouldn't feel stuck if that was the case. Mm -hmm. So identify what that next level is and identify the habits and the changes that you need to make to get there. And then it's up to you to make the action happen. You only stay stuck if you want to. Anybody can get unstuck. I agree. And I'm so glad you brought up about the habits because mm -hmm. I think deep down, we all no, if we're really radically honest with ourselves, what are the things that we need to let go of? And what are the things we need to start incorporating? So that was, I love awesome. radical honesty is my new favorite phrase, radical on it. Like I, I, I couldn't agree with you more because we get to a point where we're like, well, I don't know. I'm stuck. I feel like I'm plateaued, but I'm like, but you're also spending an hour and a half scrolling social media collectively throughout the entire day. Do you want to eliminate it, but cut it back? And then, you know, let's say you get an hour back out of your day. What can you do in that hour? Yeah. You could do a ton of stuff in an hour. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So good. Okay. Where are people 
going to be able to find number one, that dancing video, <laughs> number two, how to book you as I know you are so in demand as a speaker, mm -hmm. like constantly traveling, going all over the place, doing your virtual events, which mm -hmm. I've seen an example of, and I'm so impressed. And your website is mm. gorgeous. Thank you. It is. Thank you. It is phenomenal. Thank you. And there's so much on there too. Like if y'all just go to his, so tell us your website and the best sure. way for people to get a hold of you and book you as a speaker or a coach. And I know you mm -hmm. do a lot of webinars too. Yes. Yeah. Every, everything is at richbracken.com, uh, which I'll share the link with you to make sure that people can get to me. And yeah, so richbracken.com has got everything linked to my Spotify, linked to my YouTube, linked to all my speaking resources, other videos, news appearances, um, booking information. Um, what's great now is that I'm offering keynote speeches, uh, workshops as follow-ups, but I'm also doing a lot of MC hosting for co for conferences and, and events. And then also the DJ thing has come back. So now I call myself a triple threat category of one. Like I don't know anybody else that's offering those three services. So it's amazing. I've had clients come to me and start mixing and matching where they're booking me for a keynote, but they're also having me host the event. And then they have me DJ the after party. So it's that like- That is it's, incredible. It's so much fun. I love what I get to do. And I know you do too. I'm just honored and blessed that I get the ability to do this because it's so much fun. Until Drew Carey retires from The Price is Right and they call me for that job, like I'm going to write, I love what I do. Well, I- I want to have you at the Renaissance in Dallas, April. 20th. Oh, that's already happening. Well, I've already yeah. got, I, I booked it on my calendar while we were talking 420. I'm there. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You guys, if you are listening and you're out for a run or you're driving, don't worry. You can find all the links to richbracken.com in the show notes. You'll get all that information. I just appreciate you so much as a friend, your time so much, sharing all your wisdom and fun facts here on True Grit and Grace. <laughs> so thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you so much. And thanks so much for tuning in and listening in. I appreciate y'all downloading this episode, subscribing so you don't miss the next episode. And until next time, thank you again. Mm -hmm.